What impression do you make when a recruiter or potential employer looks you up? What are the red flags that a recruiter might see but seem normal to you? And why is it important anyways? Could a bad online presence really cost you an interview or even a job offer? This is Secrets of the Most Productive People, a productivity podcast where we work smarter instead of harder. I'm Fast Company Assistant Editor Anisa Purvisari Horton. And I'm Fast Company Deputy Editor Kate Davis. So this week, we're talking about a step that's often overlooked in the job hunt process, but is still very equally critical, curating your online presence. Chances are you're posting about your life on social media, and hopefully you have a LinkedIn profile. Later in the episode, we talk to marketing strategist Dory Clark, who is going to tell us how everything you post on social media and on the internet from Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or whatever else you have can actually make you an attractive candidate to a hiring manager. She's also going to share a thing or two about getting your online presence job hunt ready. And if you have a job hunt question, call us and leave us a voicemail or tweet us with the hashtag FCMostProductive and we might feature your question later this season. So Kate, you do a lot of hiring. How often are you Googling candidates or looking at them up on social media? Well, if I'm interested in somebody, Googling them is my next step before I reach out. And this is pretty common for recruiters or hiring managers in a lot of industries. It depends industry to industry, like what type types of social media is important. Mm -hmm. Bare minimum, I think, across all fields is LinkedIn. Like if you're applying for a job, have a LinkedIn profile and and have it filled out. Yes. (laughs) Have it filled out and have it say what your job titles actually are. Yeah. Some recruiters actually say that they won't hire candidates that give themselves those like guru, rock star, ninja sort of titles. titles. (laughs) And I know that if I'm searching for somebody on LinkedIn, If they call themselves something like a tweet ninja or an idea wrangler, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, I don't know what that job is. Yeah. So first, I think we should step back and explain why an online presence is important in this day and age, because it wasn't always this way. Yeah. 10 or 15 years ago, people got jobs and built professional relationships by sending out physical resumes and meeting people face to face. Imagine that. I know. (laughs) I'm not to make myself sound old, but I mailed out resumes early in my career. I mean, the, the internet did exist, but it was yeah it was early days and the idea of a personal brand didn't really exist i think 15 years ago if you said personal brand to somebody they'd be like who are you yeah (laughs) nonsense you know um and i mean because really like unless you were a celebrity or maybe like a prominent ceo or entrepreneur who was like constantly in the public eye regular people didn't have personal brands but when social media you know didn't dominate the internet having an online presence wasn't really necessary yeah it's kind of like people probably thought that you were being veined if yeah, you did, if you did have an online presence. Oh, I know. Like, it. like, you would sound kind of like an arrogant jerk yeah. if you were like, my online personal brand. Yeah. Like, no. what? <laughs> but today, employers expect the opposite. They do expect you to have some sort of online presence because that's how most of them do their background checks. You know, they don't just call your references. In fact, I'm pretty sure that not all employers do that these days. Sometimes they just Google you yeah. and then that's their background check. Yeah, there's also, you know, to give away some secrets of the trade, there's like a, a secondary or kind of like secret way to check references because yeah. like the references that people list are obviously going to say good things about exactly, them. So it's kind yeah. of almost a moot point in talking mm-hmm. to them. As a hiring manager, a recruiter sometimes will look at LinkedIn and see who else they used to work with and yeah. maybe contact some former colleagues or managers and and find out a reference that way. You know, we've actually written a story where we asked recruiters what they look for online in an online presence, and 
Ariel Lopez, a former recruiter that now runs a job search platform, she told Fast Company that she looks for a 50-50 split between attitude and aptitude. And I think what she means by that is that she does want your online presence to kind of showcase that you have the skills and experience that you claim to have, but that you also are a person that she'd like to be around for 40 hours a week, which makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like, they do expect to see some personality. And she also mentioned that it's crucial to understand how you convey that in every platform. So, you know, for LinkedIn, maybe you want to hold off on the baby announcements and engagement news, but if you, you might want to do that on Instagram because that's accepted and expected, even if you do have kind of a mesh professional personal brand on Instagram. Like, I think people won't be surprised to see that on Instagram, but on LinkedIn, it does feel a bit funny. Yeah, and I think it's also, it's one, like, what's appropriate, you know, in a professional way, but it's also, like, do you understand how the internet works? Mm -hmm. Like, do you know that LinkedIn is a professional networking site? Like, posting personal photos and personal updates, like, does not make sense for that platform. So it's, like, are you digitally savvy enough just in general in, because probably your job's going to include some sort of, you know, digital aspect and like, Mm -hmm. do you understand the internet, you know? Yeah. This episode of Secrets of the Most Productive People is brought to you by Citrix. We're obsessed with staying sharp in our careers. So is Citrix. That's why Citrix is bringing you Productivity Confidential. These bonus episodes cover the latest insights into things like remote work, artificial intelligence, and workplace wellness to unlock creativity and productivity at your workplace. Find it wherever you find Secrets of the Most Productive People. Learn more at citrix.com slash fastco. Today we have Dory Clark with us, who is a marketing strategist, a professor at Duke University's Fuqua School of Business, and the author of Entrepreneurial You, Monetize Your Expertise, Create Multiple Income Streams, and Thrive. Dory, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. So I'm very excited to talk about, we both did your exercise of kind of figuring out our personal brand. And the first step in it is asking people in both your like personal and professional life three words that they would use to describe you. What are we supposed to figure out from this? There are a few things, Kate, that we can get out of this exercise. The first one is just doing a gut check, essentially, to see if how other people see you matches up to your own self-image. Because if it's wildly different, of course, that is a good opportunity for you to reflect and and take stock of why that might be the case. I mean, no one's ever going to say bad things, though. Yes, right? that's, that's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. They're not going to say bad things, but they, they, might, they might be emphasizing different things than you want or mm-hmm. that you imagine. So I asked my mom, my husband, and then several colleagues here, and everybody used the word organized. Evidently, I am organized. Um, some of the other words that came up were things like diligent. I'm also very diligent. Empathetic, compassionate. Those are nice. I'm productive. I'm responsive. I got intelligent. I got uh, confident. (laughs) Those are some of my more favorite ones. Passionate, decisive. I liked those. But yeah, I definitely felt a theme of organized and diligent. Um, Anissa, what did you get? Yeah, so I also got diligent or, you know, (laughs) various versions of that. So I got conscientious, dedicated, hardworking. I also got reliable, um, which also I don't Oh my God, I want to work know. with you people. This is amazing. <laughs> I mean, wow. I think, I think it, all of these kind of say that, that we're good people to host a podcast called Secrets, Secrets of the, the Most Productive people. people. Yeah, but it seems like a good 
positive characteristic, but then there's a part of me that I'm like, oh, that's boring, reliable. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got driven and ambitious, which I guess out of the three themes, that's probably also one of my favorite ones. And so you're putting your, your finger on something really important. This is not an exercise that is about revealing the, the totality of your personality. I mean, those things can be done in more depth. If you have an executive coach, you can do these anonymous 360s, et cetera. But for this, it's, it's really kind of a quick way of looking at, okay, what is a strength that I have that I can possibly lean into? Or is there a gap that's being surfaced? And so you are pointing to something really important, which is you are being perceived as very diligent, very efficient. That is definitely someone wants to, that people would want to have as an employee. Is it someone they would want to have as their boss or as yeah. their leader? And so you may look at these perfectly good, uh, enthusiastic, you know, thumbs up kind of words and say, you know what, those are great words, but it's not really the brand I want to be projecting. And so you may say to yourself over the next six to 12 months, what can I proactively do in my work life to cultivate more of a reputation as being strategic and visionary? Are there projects I can take on? Are there committees I can lead? How can I demonstrate that to people? This seems like it's this is something that we need to cultivate in our physical life. Like, I want to be known as driven and ambitious. How does that translate to online? What's the first step? That makes a lot of sense. So when we're talking about how to put our brand identity online, oftentimes if you don't do this for a living, whatever comes up on Google is a bit of a hodgepodge. It's it's just luck. Oh, it's your marathon runtime and mm -hmm. it's your book group minutes and oh look, it's a picture of you from your college newspaper. You know, and, and so it, it may be a very disjuncted kind of brand because it's it's so many different random pieces. So for folks who are regular citizens, content creation is actually really the best way to begin to get the message out about you that you want people to be receiving. So thinking about how that matches up with the job that you're applying for, and then in your own mind, you can actually be asking yourself, what evidence can I present to the employer, um, either literally when we're having the interview in terms of anecdotes that I can be sharing, or potentially things that they might discover about me online that will somehow in their head trigger, oh, we were looking for an organized, diligent person. <laughs> Look at this. This person seems so organized and diligent. And so you can essentially try to reverse engineer that process. Mm -hmm. And so when I say content creation, that means creating social profiles where you get to talk about what you want to talk about. So for instance, if you are somebody that is really passionate about marketing, if you have a Twitter account and even just once a day or a couple times a week start tweeting about marketing, that is something that Google prizes um, You know, when they see that you run your own Twitter account. That's going to be one of the first things that comes up. People who see it will say, oh, this is what this woman is interested in. Great. Your LinkedIn summary statement is a key place where it's one of the few places online where you get to set the terms of the discourse. Whatever you want to create is is right there. And yet so many people don't even bother to have a summary statement up on LinkedIn. I was pleased to see that both of you did <laughs> a good job. We, we, we cover this for a living. I was like, oh, I hope I get, this is just a little glimpse into into my personality. I hope I get an A on this. <laughs> I was so diligent. I was yes. very scared because I was just like, uh-oh, what have I not updated? <laughs> well, I think too, so I think what you're hinting at is a good point that maybe a lot of people don't know about Google search results. So I have an incredibly common name, Kathleen Davis, but I come up at the top of my search results, my Fast Company bio page, then my Twitter page, then my LinkedIn page are the top of Kathleen Davis search results. It's because 
I update that a lot. It's because its Google algorithm has link, has uh, preference that to the top because it's the most updated, right? It's because it's the most updated, and also the sources that are that are linking to you have a lot of weight. So Fast Company is something that Google rec- recognizes as a trusted source, and so therefore it says, oh, you know, if there if if this Kathleen Davis is being linked to uh, and associated with Fast Company, we will prioritize that. So that that combination is exactly right. And so that's how. I've been able to rise above the zillions of other Kathleen Davises, who, by the way, are a lot of dermatologists and professors, interestingly enough. (laughs) Fall Um, back. Yeah, fall back (laughs) careers. But for a person that does not create content for a living, they can rise above all of the other Jane Smiths by updating a lot. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. It's a question of claiming and using uh, so, social media networks effectively in that way. Another possibility that, that often comes up, uh, which I saw that you did on your Twitter profile, is that you can sometimes uh, stake it out with a middle initial. And if you decide that you want to be branding yourself mm. that way on a regular basis, that can serve to distinguish you. That's a good tip for anybody just to be like the different one of their name. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Now, Anissa, you have a b- both an, an, an advantage and a potential liability, <laughs> which is that I think there's you're probably the only one of you in mm-hmm. the world. And so uh, the good news is people can always find you. The, the bad news is please don't screw it up because uh, people will find that too. Yeah. So is it that anything embarrassing that Anissa posted 10 years ago is going to be pretty easily found? That is yeah, exactly probably. right. But for people who are, of course, suffering under that mantle of the the ill-advised college keg party, Mm -hmm. the antidote to that actually is flooding the zone with content creation. Mm, Burying the bad stuff. Exactly. The internet never forgets, but the internet can certainly uh, put things on page 64 Mm -hmm. so that no one but the FBI will ever Mm -hmm. see it. Yeah. You know, in the context that we're talking about, this is mostly um, for job candidates and job hunting and no recruiter or hiring manager is going past page two. Yeah. So I'm going to ask the question that I was afraid to find out. Like when you when you looked at our online presence, did you see any red flags or maybe things we can improve. I was actually really impressed because I, w- I was going I over... I get an A, I get an A, I get an A. I, an a. I was looking for the bad stuff, but, but you, you guys actually did a really great job. I would say if I was making any just small amendments, because these are, these are minor. Uh, but so, Kate, for you, I would say on your LinkedIn summary statement, you did it, what I, I'll say in air quotes, right, mm-hmm. in that uh, it was first person, it was very personal. However, the sentence structure was the same for almost all the points. It was, you know, mm-hmm. I did this, mm-hmm. I did this. I did that. And it, it becomes a, a little uh, repetitious. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you were able to sort of spice it up a little bit so it felt more conversational and less... Uh, you, you would Less use, like a list of... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like almost some salesy language yep. uh, in it. You know, I, I expertly crafted the blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a little bit more of a conversational tone would be to your advantage. Yeah. But in general, I, I actually saw nothing wrong. I feel like you guys did a good job uh, on Twitter, for instance of sharing relevant news articles, but putting your own personal spin on it. So, yeah. Well, Well that was the one I was most worried about. You were worried about Twitter. (laughs) I feel like I'm not as constant on Twitter as other journalists who tweet like 100 times a day. Well, your productivity is probably better than theirs. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like we've talked a lot about this, about how social media is such a time suck. So Twitter is always a strategic thing. But okay, so going back to, you know, someone who isn't content creators, What are the first things they need to think about when, say, they're looking for a job and they want to know what Google is saying about them? And, you know, you had mentioned flooding of content, but say 
they don't have a long time. What are some of the smart things they can do? Sure. So there's two pieces to look at. The the first one, of course, is are there bad things about you online? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's that's the most obvious that people would worry about. But uh, I would say that a really good kind of Google hygiene practice is to set up a Google alert on yourself, on your your own name, so that you're notified anytime your name pops up on the Internet. And that way you can very quickly respond or correct something if something is is bad. Um, but oftentimes, if you do see something, you know, maybe there's a photo of you that was posted on a friend's Facebook account or something like that, and, you know, it's, it's set to public and it shouldn't be, often there's ways you can do that. You can even just reach out directly to that person and be like, hey, would you mind taking that down? And almost always they'll say yes. Um, so there's that triage aspect. The second piece, which fewer people think about is having proactive good things about you online. Now, everybody knows don't have the bad stuff, but fewer people understand it is it is not just important to, to be neutral online. These days, competition is so intense. You really need to have good, good stuff, things that show your professional aptitude. So I would say if somebody is looking for a job next week and they don't have a ton of time to build up content, probably the single best investment is really creating a robust, a robust and well-fleshed-out LinkedIn profile because A, you know that the recruiter or the hiring manager is going to go there, and B, it is the one place where you can set it up, you can tell your own story, you can express your narrative in the way that you want, and that can be really powerful in and of itself. And while you're there, of course, it has uh, now blogging functionality, so if you have time, you can write a quick blog post, which gives people a sense of how you think about trends or key topics in your industry, which de-risks hiring you over someone else because they have more of an insight into how you think. It is always more powerful if you can show rather than tell. I mean, you know, everyone's like, oh, I'm an enthusiastic, diligent, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, you and everybody else. Mm -hmm. But if they if they can find something online that that actually proves it, it means that you are the candidate that is really going to stand out because they've they've seen it with their own eyes. Mm -hmm. And that has so much more weight in the process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like some people want to opt out or don't, you know, want to be that involved online. It sounds like a lot of work. And certainly some platforms are more important to some industries than other. Like obviously Twitter is important to us as journalists, but not so much for other fields. Instagram may be more important for some fields. Sounds like LinkedIn is the basic thing that everybody has to have. Is there something else? Is there is there like maybe a personal website? Like if you're like, okay, I need to start from scratch building an online presence, personal brand, like what should people prioritize after LinkedIn? Or is LinkedIn enough. The quick and dirty version that I, I usually tell uh, students in my executive ed programs is you have to have a good LinkedIn profile. I mean, certainly if you're applying for a job yes. in, in North America, <laughs> that is something you're going to want to have and take the time to do it. The good news is that even if you're starting from scratch, if you spend 60 to 90 minutes on it, you will have a good baseline profile. Uh, the problem is that there are people who literally just haven't updated it for like seven years mm-hmm. or something, but it doesn't take more than an hour or two to actually create something that that is very nice and robust and then just plan to update it every six months or so you know a few minutes here or there not that big of a deal Um, that that is the baseline I would say in an ideal world above and beyond that every professional would pick one additional social channel to go deep on so as you said for journalists it would probably be Twitter if you're a photographer let's say or an influencer (laughs) then maybe you'd be on Instagram Mm -hmm. etc a personal website is something that I 
think is a great idea. It's a little bit of work. And mm-hmm. so if someone feels like they really want to be putting their stake in the ground, they know that they're wanting to create a kind of public facing career for themselves, then I think by all means, go ahead, get it set up. It can be pretty basic to start with, but do it. But most professionals can get by with having a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. So talking about LinkedIn, and you know what you say is the most kind of basic expectations for online presence. Have you ever not hired someone because they didn't have an online presence? I was uh, a few years ago consulting for a client, and the client was a, a sort of very large nonprofit, and they were looking to hire a, a senior guy, and they got it down to two candidates. And for whatever reason, just in their process, many companies use online uh, research as an initial screening thing, Mm -hmm. but they they hadn't done it for some reason. They, They were going to do it, but they just were planning to do it toward the end of the process. So they had two candidates. And they look up one guy, okay, seems pretty normal. They go on to the reference check. The second guy, they look him up online, and there is literally nothing about this guy. That's like such a red flag, right? Was the first thing they thought... Is he lying about everything? Is this all made up? It freaked them out. That's yeah. exactly what they thought. They, they, and it was even worse because his previous job had been in England, so it was harder to verify. You know, they didn't know anyone who worked there, mm-hmm. so they were incredibly sp- suspicious of this man. And it turned out he was not lying at all. He was telling the truth about everything. But the problem was f- for him. They did double the number of reference checks on him as mm-hmm. they did for the other person because they had this baseline of suspicion. And eventually, they convinced himself th- that that he was okay, and they did end up giving him the job. But he nearly lost it because he did not have an online presence. And so I think for so long, the discourse has been, well, just don't have bad things. Mm-hmm. And somehow not having anything seemed to be okay or acceptable. But it, it really is not anymore. At this point, people are, are going to wonder, are you lying? Are you somehow in a witness protection program? You need to have some baseline that establishes your identity in a verifiable way. And that's just discouraging to the employer to have to do that much work, too. Like, it's like, is this guy worth this much work? Like, do I really want to hire him? You know? Yeah. I wonder if he did end up getting a LinkedIn profile after that. (laughs) Do you think so? Did you know what happened? I'll I'll have to to look him up. I haven't haven't been in touch with with him since that hiring process, but it's a good question. I'm sure he has one. Now. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, at least thankfully, all of the double references had good things to say about him. Because that's know. the thing; like, it's that's that's the like on in-person version of page 62 of your Google results. Like, keep digging in your references. Yeah, like, yeah. you're gonna <laughs> find somebody who didn't think you were so diligent to work with. You know. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for coming all the way here and being here and looking at our uh, A-plus social media presences. <laughs> <laughs> I gave us, I, I graded us. Is that okay? Okay. Oh, yes. 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 I'm going to okay. take that. <laughs> well done. Well, thank you so much for having me. I am very glad to help. And, and mazel tov, you guys, you guys are crushing it so far. So <laughs> so keep it up, especially you, Anissa. You don't have any margin. No, I know. Now, <laughs> no pressure. I can blame all of my errors on the dermatologists and professors that are Kathleen Davis's. Yeah, that's <laughs> but true. you you are the one and only. Thanks so much, Dory. Thanks. So if you want to get your career questions in front of someone like Dory, let us know by leaving us a voicemail at the number in our show notes or tweet at us using the hashtag FCMostProductive. So now it's time to press pause and get your pen ready because you might want to write this down. <laughs> what your online presence says about you. Number one, keep everything as up to date as possible. This includes LinkedIn, 
Twitter if you have one, and your personal website if you have one. You never know when people might need your expertise or when your dream company wants to hire someone with just your skills and qualifications. So, you know, if you've taken a certification or you've been promoted, make sure that your online presence reflects that. Because if you don't, you might not show up in people's searches. And even if they find you, they might not know that you're actually qualified to do what it is that they want you to do. Number two, make yourself accessible. You want to have some way for people to contact you, whether it's by email, Twitter DMs, or messages on your personal website. There's no point in showcasing the value of what you can bring, only for people to have to struggle to get in touch with you. And number three, and let me just say that I know this is going to create a little bit of an eye roll, but stay authentic to yourself. It's easy in the social media age to feel like you need to present a certain image, but in a word of curated filters, anything that doesn't come across as genuine is going to be obvious. Just be strategic about what you share. And that's it for this episode. We want to hear your career questions for future episodes. What are you struggling with on your job hunt? What's a career question that has you stumped? Leave us a voicemail at 201 201- 371-F-A-S-T. That's 201-371-3278. And we'll find an expert to answer your question. Again, that number is 201-371-3278. Or you could also tweet your questions with the hashtag FCMostProductive. Next, we'll be tackling how to nail the job interview. If this episode was helpful to your job search, please let us know. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And you can follow Fast Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Secrets of the Most Productive People is produced by Danielle Roth.